Well, hello again, all my gorgeous, fabulous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. We're here to chat all about the wonders of sex, sexuality, and the body. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm delighted to be part of the Tortoise Check Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, me with the sex podcast. If you do like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise as it actually really, really does help to keep the mics on or pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to chat about anything, you can drop me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at Chloe West Podcast. So today we are exploring the tricky world of threesomes and I have the perfect guest to dive into this topic. Stella Harris is a certified intimacy educator and sex coach who uses a variety of tools to guide and empower her clients and she teaches everything from pleasure anatomy to communication skills to kink and to BDSM. Her first book, Tongue Tied, Untangling Communication in Sex, Kink and Relationships, was published by Cleese Press in September 2018 and her new book, The Ultimate Guide to Threesomes, has just come out a couple of weeks ago. You can find her over on StellaHarris.net or you can find her on Instagram at StellaHarrisErotica. Stella, thanks Emil for chatting to me. How are you keeping? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. That's all we can ask for at the moment. So happy days. Well, congratulations on the on the birth of your your second baby, your second book there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, when I started writing it, I didn't know it would be, you know, a book about group sex coming out in the middle of a global pandemic, but <laughs> yeah. but here we are. You know, slightly bad timing for that, but we are, we are ready once we're vaccinated, we are diving in <laughs> to all Plenty sorts of, of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so this is, you know, this is something, you know, as a sex columnist, I'd get this quite a lot as a question and it seems to be one of the most common fantasies of having a threesome so but it seems like it's one of those things where you know the fantasy may be a bit different to the reality so I suppose first off why is it so common why are we all obsessed with the idea of a threesome well speaking for everybody (laughs) yeah this is this is basically you've summed up the reason that the book exists you know and as you know anyone who writes about sex teaches about sex it's kind of the top question we get and there wasn't a lot out there in the way of research Sources, so I figured it was time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a top fantasy for a number of reasons. I think it just hits on a lot of points that tantalize people. I mean, we know that that humans seek novelty, um, and what better novelty than a new sex partner? Um, and I think specifically with threesomes, it is the novelty of a new partner with essentially within the safety of an existing relationship or bringing a friend. Um, so I think that's part of what makes it um, makes it sort of a safe form of novelty or a safe fantasy. Yeah. It's also sort of training wheels for trying something new. If people are interested in exploring their sexuality or exploring new kinds of sex or new kinds of kink, um, it can be easier with, you know, an extra person around. And that makes sense because it, it absolutely can be scary to try something new with another person. So if you have an established relationship already, hopefully that, that puts you on a bit more ease. But then you have the single people, the the unicorns coming in and they're the ones who want to go into the, the couple arrangement, which it can often be. Are they are we still using the term unicorn? Is that outdated now or we're, we're sticking with that? 
I, yeah, I have a whole chapter dedicated specifically to the unicorns um, in the book. And I think it's a little tongue in cheek, but you will absolutely still see that. Um, I, you know, at least speaking for myself, um, I think it can be very nice to take sort of a little vacation into somebody else's happy relationship. You know, you get all of the the sort of benefits of, of sharing their intimacy. Um, you know, when you are the unicorn, you're kind of the guest star. Everyone is very excited that you're there. You're often kind of the center of attention. Uh, and then you just get to go home. Um, that sounds so, kind of good. Yeah, you don't have to clean yeah. the sheets afterwards. <laughs> right? Um, so I think there are a lot of benefits to that. You know, if and when you find couples who... Um, are approaching threesomes in the right way. Um, and so again, that's a lot of what I talk about. I have a chapter um, speaking to if there's an existing couple and how to uh, avoid the pitfalls of sort of what we call unicorn hunting. And then another chapter to the unicorns talking about how to screen couples. Um, and sometimes, you know, threesomes are sort of three friends or three individuals who come together. Um, but the sort of couple plus one is is a little more common. Yeah, you've got a lot of configurations, I suppose. And I suppose there's a lot of logistics to maybe consider. Like, I think maybe even the bed or, well, if, if it's a bed, we can have sex outside of a bed. But, you know, picking that for some people, they're totally on board with the, you know, the threesome aspect, say, if, if they were married or in a couple. But then if if it's in their bed, they might feel a little bit kind of maybe jealous or territorial or just some sort of way about, oh, this is our space. So do you think that's mm -hmm. a common reaction to some people? Absolutely. I know a lot of folks who open their relationship um, but don't want any dates at home. Um, so they don't want additional people sort of in their home space. Um, and I talk about, um, you know, using sex clubs, you know, when that's a thing and we can go places or considering a hotel or just the logistics of considering whose house it's going to be at. Sometimes it is about who has the biggest bed or the fewest housemates or the thickest walls. Um, a lot of considerations like that. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's sort of one of those hidden questions that that I think when folks are fantasizing about threesomes they're not thinking about that yeah. right I mean that's the nature of fantasy we're running the highlights reel absolutely and then when you actually involve other people and try to do the thing you realize that kind of some mundane logistical considerations really matter and and can put a wrench in the works if you haven't thought them through in advance yeah, there's, there's so much to it. Like you said earlier, the safety aspect of, you know, if you're in the couple, but maybe you might feel safer at home, but then other people would feel safer if it was in a more neutral location. So, yeah, there's a lot of the, the logistical aspect, I suppose, um, or even the logistical aspect of like, where do you meet people? You know, I think there's a lot of people maybe on dating apps and they'll get a message and it's like, oh, hey, do you want to meet my friend as well? And it's like, oh, not this again. Like, is there a specific yeah. sites that are the best for, for meeting people who are into this? Or is it just being upfront and honest on, on the regular, you know, apps and things like that? Both. Um, I definitely advocate for folks being very upfront about what they're looking for. One of the reasons that that couples looking for a third get a bad name is because they're sneaky about it. If someone acts like they are individually dating and then, oh, hey, can my partner come along? Um, that That is not a good way to build trust. Yeah, um, that's a good sneaky. way to end the interaction and 
probably turn that person off from talking to couples in the future. Um, So yes, there are apps that are uh, more geared towards threesome. I talk about a few in the books. Of course, you know, the landscape of apps are always changing. There are uh, hashtag open and field are a couple that specifically allow you to link profiles. Um, Things like Tinder, OkCupid. Um, OkCupid will allow you to, to sort of indicate who your partner is. And Tinder, a lot of people just use it by creating a couple's profile, you know, using pictures of both of them, indicating in the bio that it's two people. Um, So whichever way you go, whether it's an app that specifically allows for a couple's profile um, or one that you sort of pack to make a couple's profile, I do think it's important to be very clear about what you're up to. There are people who want the things that you want um, and it's going to be better for everyone if you just find the people who have the same fantasies as you rather than trying to trick other folks into it. Nothing good ever comes of that regardless of the relationship configuration or the the sex configuration as a part of that so but you're you're talking about honesty and communication there and I'm sure this is a huge part of threesomes whether it's communication between the couple or communication between all three on the night so maybe we'll start with the the couples first so how did they even begin (laughs) to say hey I would like to have a threesome you know did they test the waters first or just come straight out because I can imagine there might be a lot of jealousy and maybe a negative response if someone maybe is new to this or hadn't maybe thought of it or only heard negative things maybe Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, you've hit on another one of the big reasons I wrote the book is because I'm such a a nerd for communication and that's a uh, good thing. It's a good nerdy thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and carrot, uh, threesomes are a nice sort of carrot, you know, to get people to, to learn about communication. If there's a threesome at the end of that journey. And I wholeheartedly believe that you can't really have a good threesome without good communication. Um, in terms of couples, again, it depends. There is so much baggage in, in the culture about, you know, what everything means and, and threesomes have been used as like a strange relationship test, you know, you offer it and then your partner's in trouble if they say yes, or you, you have one to see, you know, if they'll ignore the third and only pay attention to you. And we've had, you know, movies and sitcoms and so many things have reinforced really unhealthy tropes about this. Um, so yeah, no, no game playing, please. Um, if, if you want to have this conversation with your partner, again, have it in good faith, like you would anything you want to try, any fantasy you want to bring up. Um, I always think being clear and direct is the way to go. And also you need to read the room. You know, if you and your partner have sexual adventures all the time, you're very open about your fantasies, then you can probably just come out and say, you know, hey, I have this fantasy I'd like to tell you about. Um, If talking about sex at all is already a challenge, probably don't start with threesomes. You know, I would back up a little bit, maybe grab my first book or, or a different, you know, book about communication and and start learning how to have those conversations um, because remember. not everyone is comfortable talking about sex. No, and absolutely. You, you want to give people a heads up and ask if they're ready to have the conversation rather than just springing it on them over coffee. And it reminds me when you're saying about the 
I suppose the representations and stuff there of um, Ross and friends when he was there with his ex-wife who turned out to be a lesbian in the end, Carol. But their their threesome was her getting into the girl and, and like completely ignoring him. And he, you know, so that obviously was not the most honest um, thing. I doubt Carol just realised she was a lesbian just at that exact moment. So it was just a little bit of a dishonest way to explore sexuality. But that's... I can't think of a whole bunch of positive representations of threesomes in, in movies or TV shows. Is is there? Am I missing any? Um, sure. I have actually, I have a little rundown of, you know, some TV shows and movies that, that show threesomes, um, but you are right. Most of them are at least somewhat negative. There's some negative aspect um, I can think of, you know, there's a few maybe happier group sex type scenes, like something like Sense8, um, but straight up threesomes are more often to show some sort of breakdown in the relationship um, or to like say something about the characters, like, oh, these characters are sort of, you know, naughty or taboo or promiscuous yeah, yeah. or it is some sort of like judgment on their character yeah it's not uh, a so positive we, we need to work on that yeah definitely yeah. well that's that's gonna be your next project after this one maybe there you go. but that then going back to your point there of yeah there you're showing it as in um a relationship breakdown this is what some people might think oh we're having troubles between ourselves or our sex drive has dried up or whatever i know we'll have a threesome and inject some spice back into the relationship and that to me sounds like an absolute recipe for disaster that doesn't sound like that's going to end in anybody having a good l time yeah yeah i recently wrote about this because it is so much easier to have those headlines like here's how to spice things up you know, anything from, you know, the Cosmo style, like, you know, poke your partner with a fork advice to a threesome to, you know, anything else like that, because that is easier to suggest than saying, you know, you need to sit down and figure out, you know, where are the cracks in this relationship and, and address those first. People don't want to have those conversations. I know from my coaching practice, um, a lot of people want, you know, they want the easy fix. They want the physical fix. They don't want to talk about their feelings. You know, people will come to me with, you know, some sort of sexual performance issue or desire issue. Um, and they're like, okay, well just teach me how to do, you know, kegels. And I'm like, well, it sounds like you can't actually stand your partner and, you know, the strongest pelvic floor in the world is not going to make you like this person. So, you know, that's where the work is. It's up to you if you want to do that or not. Um, well, it and I think like threesomes it, end up in that category too. Yeah, threesome is going to shine a spotlight completely on all those cracks in the relationship. So it's going to just act like a beacon. So if there, if your partner is getting with someone in front of you and you're sitting there going, I hate this person. I hate them so much. I hate this whole thing. It's just, oh, it just seems like yeah an absolute recipe for for disaster for things and like you're saying the communication so if if you're feeling like you're in that kind of relationship where it's just not going well at the moment and everything else and your partner suggests a threesome how do you talk you know to them about that and say hey maybe this might not be the best of ideas at the moment because we're not in a great place ourselves Mm -hmm. and I think I mean, it depends what's true for you, but if it is true that it's something you would be willing to consider if and when things are in a stronger place, you could say that. You could 
say, like, I am open to the idea of that fantasy and I don't think we're there right now. You know, here's some of the work I think that we need to do. Um, and again, maybe it works in your relationship the same way I hope the book works, where it's sort of like the carrot uh, that makes you willing to do the work. And maybe your partner would be willing to go and see, you know, a therapist or a counselor or a coach or, you know, you know, just do your own workbooks or conversations and, and figure out what needs to be strengthened. Um, because you're absolutely right. If there are problems, any kind of relationship opening, whether it's solo dating or threesomes, um, that, that is going to really amplify the problems, not solve them. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like a, a home and beacon straight in on all those problems for sure. So if you are in a good part of your relationship and you're obsessed with each other and everything's great and sex life is great and stuff, and you're like, Hey, let's like add in a third person to this. How does that conversation go down? And, and then what are the next steps to take it from, fantasy and possible conversations into an actual realistic scene with three of you in it? I think it's a good idea for people to really uh, have a detailed conversation about what the fantasy is, um, you know, because everything from, you know, is it going to be someone who's an existing friend or a stranger? You know, what gender is the person going to be? There, there can be some pretty big breakdowns in the negotiation very early on. So, you know, asking people to really spell out the details of their fantasy and see if there's enough overlap that there's something that works there. Um, I also like to ask people why they want to have the threesome to make sure their whys are compatible. So if one person is hoping that it is a baby step towards a completely open relationship and the other person is seeing it as, you know, a one-off adventure, maybe to celebrate someone's birthday, Neither of those is necessarily a bad reason, but they might not be compatible reasons. Um, so I'd want to make sure that people's reasons and fantasies are are compatible enough to find some middle ground. Um, and of course, always making sure that there is enough flexibility in their fantasies that it makes room for what the third person is going to want, right? Because they are not just showing up to do exactly what you want and then leave, Maybe if you were paying them, that is the arrangement. But, you know, if you're just meeting somebody off of Tinder, they're going to want things too. And it's only going to work if you are excited about hearing their desires and making room for that as well. I think that part gets left out a lot in a lot of conversations. It's it's just viewed as, oh, here's an extra body. And you forget that there is a human behind this exciting third part for your relationship. But I think that the curveball is that person coming forward and saying, hey, I want to do this or I don't want to do this or what about this? And and you mightn't have discussed that in your relationship. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a really, really good one to always bear in mind. Going back to the gender, that's really important as well because and, and sexuality as well. If, if someone is there going, hey, you know, if it's a guy, are they going to be touching the other guy if it's a hetero couple? Or, you know, I think mm -hmm. maybe a lot of people just again make assumptions they're like oh yeah I'll get a third and it turns out to be a woman and you're like oh, I thought it was another guy or a trans person or whatever happens to be so um yeah how does how does gender come into it and, and establishing who's touching who and who's not touching who and what's off limits and um you know and and if that is the case of if things are off limits you know what happens when accidental touch happens or crossover happens because you know three people in an, in one bed is a small space for a lot of you know three bodies to be flailing about in so yeah that seems like there needs to be a lot of communication with that aspect of things 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I have, I have some sections in the book on this as well. One of which I tackle um, this sort of persistent myth that all women are bisexual or are somehow inherently more flexible and just always game to, to make out with another girl. Uh, and, you know, I am bisexual. It would be nice for me if everyone was bisexual. And I can emphatically say that is not true. Um, and I go into a little bit about, you know, how we get some of those myths, um, but that is definitely not true. Um, and so, yeah, that conversation of how does sexualities align, you know, is everybody involved, you know, fluid or pansexual, you know, great. And also just throwing queer people together doesn't mean they necessarily like each other, right? Just because you're attracted theoretically to someone's gender doesn't mean there's chemistry or attraction in this particular pairing. Um, so all of that needs to be accounted for. And I also have a section specifically to straight men um, because you're right, there can be a lot of, you know, there is more homophobia aimed at cis men. And so I understand why there can be extra defensiveness around that. Um, and also that's not going to be a lot of fun in the room. If you are spending the entire time sort of freaked out by there being another penis around, you're not going to have a ton of fun, right? You do not have to, you know, give each other blowjobs or make out. Um, but it really helps if you can be friendly and playful and have some camaraderie. Um, and I, I talk a little bit about, you know, there are positions where, you know, you can center, you know, in the instance of two straight cis men and one woman, you know, you can center the woman and sort of give yourself some space between your bodies. Like, and also you need to be relaxed about there being another dude around, um, or that's just not going to be fun. No. But there is a way to accommodate all of the genders, all of the body parts, all of the sexualities. Not everybody in the room needs to do all of the things with everybody in the room. One person can be the center of attention. There can be, you know, you can mix up who's kissing whom, who's touching whom. Um, but you're absolutely right. If it's going to be the end of the world for you, if, you know, someone's hand brushes against you or a thigh touches you, you're not going to be relaxed enough to have fun. That's and that's a good thing maybe so couples can sit down and first and explore what that feels like and you know maybe if that is too much maybe let's let's think about doing something different or different genders or things like that so do you think in, in that case it's a good idea for people to date the person that, that they're considering for a little while to see if that kind of chemistry is there to see if they're really into it and you know again moving into from fantasy to reality or is that turning it more into maybe an open relationship or poly then as opposed to a once-off sexual experience and that's maybe where boundaries get a little bit blurred I would definitely like the answer to everything. I would say it depends. I would want to be cautious about that so that nobody gets the impression that you are trying to build a relationship if it is going to come to a screeching halt as soon as there has been sex. Um, I definitely think people should meet up ahead of time. I, I always think people should at least grab coffee, make sure there's chemistry. And in the case of a couple and an individual, I think it's a good idea to have that meetup be separate from the first time you're going to have sex. So you have time to think about it. So get coffee, get dinner, whatever it's going to be, then go home. And then if you, you know, sleep on it and still want to get together, then make a second plan. And that second plan can be going straight home together or straight to a hotel or straight to a sex club, or it can be another date first. Um, but be clear about the intentions. Is this testing chemistry 
or is this dating? Um, and you can have an ongoing connection that is mostly about the sex. Um, you can, you know, an individual and a couple can, you know, for lack of a better term, sort of date, um, or just sort of like have an ongoing hookup relationship, like you know, maybe every month or two, you, yeah, you get together for the occasional threesome, um, but you're not, you know, meeting each other's families and, you know, yeah. and that That's sort of thing, thing. In, in, in the in-between time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And once I suppose if that would if that's what it takes for people to feel more comfortable with it, then, you know, that that's happy days. So and one thing with the logistics aspects of thing is like for me, uh, you know, I'm always talking about um, consent and STIs and stuff on the podcast, but STIs and a threesome, you know, and sexual health, you've got a lot of fluids and you've got a lot of gentles bumping together and stuff. So how do we, how do we manage all that aspect of things? Because it feels like, you know, if if there's a penis going around and there's like, you know, 50 billion condoms going on and off between going in, inside other bodies and things like this. So, you know, making sure people talk about that as well. So how, do, how does the STI and, and sexual health part work in, in threesomes and group 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 activity, so to speak? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It gets a lot trickier to keep track of who has been where. Um, I think that it can be helpful to sort of set the boundaries in the space overall to the strictest boundaries. So for example, if you have a couple who is fluid bonded and then a third coming in that you don't want to share fluids with, that gets extra tricky to manage. Um, so it can be helpful in that instance where if everyone just uses barriers for everything. So even the couple who might normally have unbarriered sex, just use condoms, um, use you know, use gloves. I really think, I mean, I always think gloves are a great idea. I especially think they are a great idea for threesomes because it gets very difficult to remember where your hands have been. Um, so anytime you're going to touch somebody's genitals, you have a glove on. As soon as you are done, you take the glove off. That one is done for the night. Then you start with a new glove the next time you're going to touch someone's genitals, including your own. Um, otherwise, there can be a lot of, of transfer of fluids. Again, same thing with condoms. If you're going to be engaging in PIV, condom on, and then taken off for every new orifice. Um, one way, if you know you want to do a lot of back and forth, one little hack for that is you can use internal condoms um, and then the penis can move back and forth between two orifices wearing internal condoms, um, which makes sense if you want to have very like back and forth. Um, and but if I you're just going to have sex <laughs> with one person and then another sort of sequentially, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. Same thing with, with mouths. Um, it can be really tricky to engage in oral sex in a threesome if not all of the people want somebody's fluids on their mouth. Because if you go down on someone and then you want to kiss the other person, um, running to the bathroom to wash your face, use mouthwash, um, you know, you don't want to brush your teeth in the middle of sex, right? We don't want to introduce a bunch of, you know, open wounds to our gums right before we, you know, go down on somebody. Um, and so I think if, if not everybody in the space wants to share fluids, I think it can be easier just not engage in oral sex. Um, so you don't need to worry about where your mouth has been and everybody can make out. Um, so just being really cognizant of what are all of the boundaries in the room and maybe we all step back to the to the level of the strictest boundary instead of trying to 
navigate multiple limits in the space. That's definitely one that that where the the reality is very different to the fantasy. The fantasy is just bodies rolling all over each other and having a great time. But you know, if we're being responsible adults and if we're not in the position of getting tested all you know beforehand and all the rest of it you know, like you're saying, yeah, absolutely being cognizant of that. So, I, it, you know, we've talked a lot about, I suppose, the risks and the negative parts and stuff, but also threesomes can be an absolute load of joy for everyone. And if they weren't, you wouldn't be writing a book about them, I suppose. So you're very, mm-hmm. um, that's your area. So talk to us about the joys of it. You know, why, why is it so hot? You know, like we said, it's the most common fantasy for a lot of different genders as well. What, what is the appeal and why why do you like it so much or writing about it yeah. so much even? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, personally, um, I am both a voyeur and an exhibitionist. So it is a great, you know, scenario for engaging in that. And, and if anything, I'm more of a voyeur. And I have been in threesomes and group sex scenarios where I forget for a minute that I'm supposed to be participating because I'm having so much fun watching. I will just catch myself sort of sitting at the foot of the bed, you know, perving on what's happening in front of me and then remembering I should probably dive in and help. Um, so so if you get off on watching, um, it can be great. Um, and, and if one of the people involved is a partner of yours, um, so my default is not jealousy. Um, I'm not incapable of jealousy. It is just sort of not my default position. And I actually really enjoy seeing a partner of mine um, doing sexy things with another person because you can see them basically from angles. You don't get to see them when when you're having sex with them yourself. I mean, even if you get, you know, a mirror on the ceiling and the whole thing, you just don't really have the same kind of view. Um, I like seeing a partner's pleasure. I like seeing them, you know, show off their skills. So I like getting to be around for that. That for me personally is hot. So that's one of the, the benefits. Um And, you know, when we were talking about exploring sexualities, um, it can be, again, a really sort of safe training wheels way to try something completely new. I have been the third a couple of times in threesomes with, um, you know, someone who had never been with a girl before and and wasn't sure how that would go. Um, And it was safer for them to do that with a partner of theirs there. Um, I, I talk in the book about a threesome I had where basically somebody taught their partner hand sex techniques on me, um, which worked out great for me. Again, I was, you know, the complete center of attention. It was all about me enjoying myself. Um, And, you know, these were friends of mine and someone was learning something new and, you know, and a very casual, you know, we weren't even calling it sex. That's something else is a lot of times when you're trying something new or different, it can help to just think of it as play or exploration because as soon as you call something sex, that comes with a lot of um, baggage and expectations. You know, a threesome doesn't have to include PIV sex. It doesn't even have to include genitals. Y'all can just, you know, make out or give each other massages or, you know, get in a puppy and watch a movie together. You know, just having another person around can be a big thrill. Um, So getting really flexible about what that means, or at least starting there, you know, not feeling like you need to do all of the things at once. If you have a good time, you can make a second date. But if you go too far, you know, you can't take back things you don't feel great about. Um, So it can be a great way to experience new things. And also as somebody, you know, I like all of the people and all of the bodies. And so it can be really nice to sort of celebrate 
you know, different kinds of people, different, you know, shapes and arrangements sort of all at once. I really like that kind of variety. Um, so that's one of the benefits. It's like a treat yourself There's situation. Yeah, <laughs> which is not definitely not a bad thing. Um, but I like what you're saying there. Yeah, like we do think of sex a lot of the time as penis in vagina, which is very problematic because not everyone is hetero, not everyone likes penetration, you know, and there's lots more to sex. So I like what you're saying there about, you know, there can be so many different aspects and, and maybe a threesome when you're in the middle of it and you might have thought, oh, sex is penetration. Maybe it might be something that opens your mind a little bit and, and you know, helps you explore lots of, of the nice things, you know, that are out there apart from penis and vagina sex. So that's a nice thing. Mm. I know, and you mentioned jealousy as well there. And a lot of the time jealousy is painted as a very negative thing. Um, but jealousy might be a sign of something in the relationship that you're feeling insecure about or something. So, you know, if we're looking at that in a positive way, maybe it's an opportunity to talk about it and maybe may make the relationship stronger if if you're both willing to talk about it or it obviously can have negative effects as well. So if someone is, you know, thinking that they're all up for the threesome and everything is great, but then they're maybe noticing, oh, actually, I do feel a bit jealous in this situation. How do they go forward dealing with that? And even maybe if they can't even name it to themselves, but they know something feels a bit weird afterwards and they weren't expecting it. So how, how do they discuss that with their partner after that? Because you know, they mightn't have prepared for that feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that difficult feelings are something to be avoided at all costs. This is something I hear about open relationships. I hear about threesomes. Oh, I couldn't do that because I would be jealous. Um, as though there is an assumption that, that that is a bad thing or the end of the world. Um, and you're right. Any difficult feeling, it, it has something to teach us. And jealousy, you know, that is sort of an umbrella term for, everything from envy to, you know, insecurity. Um, and, and yeah, I, I want to have those feelings when they come up because it, it usually is telling me, oh, here's something I didn't know I was insecure about, or here is a need that I have that's not being met, or here is, you know, something that I have a fear of. Um, you know, I had, um, I, I tell a story in the book about a threesome that I had that sort of cured my jealousy. And this is not a result that I promised to anybody else, but <laughs> I, I had a relationship years ago where I was experiencing jealousy and I was surprised by it. Like I said, I've, you know, engaged in open relationships on and off since I was 17. You know, I thought I was quote unquote good at this, whatever the heck that means. Uh, and so I was sort of shocked when I was overcome with jealousy in a particular relationship. Um, and it was a kink relationship. And I think those dynamics were throwing me for a loop um, and ended up having a threesome with the shared partner and the person I was having insecurities about. And it kind of blew my mind because I had felt jealous about knowing we were doing a lot of the same things together and sort of feeling like we were interchangeable um, or, or not unique. And then in the threesome, I was able to see that even if he did the same exact thing, both of us, our responses were so completely different and our dynamics were so completely different um, that suddenly it made sense to me, like why you would want to play with both of us or, or multiple people and how it wasn't about replacing one with the other. It was different energy and different dynamics and different things were fun and different things worked, even with the same input. 
you know, if you spank me and I'm, you know, very well behaved and taking it stoically and, you know, you spank her, spank her and she's like laughing and being bratty and talking back. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is totally different because people are different. And, you know, more, so many more years into this as a career now, it feels so obvious to even say, oh, right, people are different. So it is always different with a new person. Um, but I think I needed to have that experience to feel that. And to really internalize that different isn't about better. Um, and, and that is something that, you know, and, and I see that with people, you know, when people have their particular insecurities, you know, if someone is insecure about their body and they're like, well, I don't want somebody, you know, hotter than me, you know, whatever, again, whatever that means, which is sort of a meaningless moving target, sure. but that is a feeling that people have. Um, and then instead in the moment, like, oh, you know, one person is thinner and one person is curvier and you know what, both are great. And sometimes when you're, you know, rolling around with both, you're like, oh, okay, this is just like bodies are great and they're both fun to touch and they are fun in, you know, maybe slightly different ways. And this is awesome. Um, so it can be a way to move days. through that and get there. Yeah. And th that sounds fantastic, but it sounds like, you know, as much as you prepared um, and did the work beforehand, it was still a learning curve afterwards. So maybe there are some things that you just, you can't prepare for, and that's also okay. So you don't have to stage manage the whole production of the experience, but just maybe be prepared afterwards for things to come up that you weren't expecting perhaps. Would that be a wise, wise philosophy going yeah. into it? Yeah. And I think the preparation there is knowing do you have the tools to process difficult feelings for yourself? And do you have the tools to, you know, process, you know, difficult feelings with your partner and problems that come up? Like, or do you do that collaboratively or, you know, does it start a big fight that everyone feels bad about? So that is sort of the preparation. Like, what happens when something unexpected comes up? How do the two of you handle it? How have you moved through conflict before? Um, so do you have those skills? So not, you know, are you 100% prepared for every eventuality? Because that's not possible. Um, but what happens when something throws you for a loop? And how do you move through that together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like you were saying, you might think of the logistics of, oh, will we involve your friend? Um, or will we have your your sister or whatever happens to be if some people suggest that that seems like a recipe for disaster but anyway um but yeah you can practice all that but you have to talk about the emotional side and I think we forget this so much in sex you know I talk about this in my sex ed workshops of it's great that you can learn the practical stuff but you do have to learn the emotional side of sex and knowing when you're ready and when what you're consenting to and knowing how to communicate and I think we really forget that aspect of things so I'm really glad you brought that up there and then I suppose just speaking of consent as well you know for some people consent their communication around it isn't great um even if you know in person it might be great but talking about it might not be as great um even if it's still in consensual behavior but when you're throwing another person into the mix things might get a little bit more complicated so how can you ensure that you're all working towards it being a consensual experience and and you know one that's a pleasurable one for everybody yeah the more people are involved the more it seems like we expect some sort of mind reading to occur 
um, especially if there's an existing couple, it is amazing how far both people will go thinking they are doing what the other person wants. And it's not until they talk about it later, that they found out actually nobody wanted that. They were just trying to please somebody else. Um, and especially if you don't feel ready to have check-ins in front of somebody else, you can really get into trouble. Um, so I always think it's a good idea to talk about everything and talk all through sex and have lots of check-ins. And the more people are involved, the more important I think that is. Have verbal check-ins about everything. You know, may I kiss you? May I touch you here? May I do this? Um, and I honestly, I know people think it ruins the mood. I don't think it ruins the mood. I think it's hot. You know, I think consent is hot. I think not constantly worrying about my own bad or crossing someone else's boundaries. Like I need that in order to relax and enjoy the situation. And if you're worried about it, you can do it in ways that fit the dynamic. You know, you can do it as dirty talk, like, like, oh, you know, you think you deserve a spanking? Well, ask me for it, right? Well, then that's still a check-in, you know, and you're still verbalizing what's going to happen next, you know, making people ask for things, making people beg, um, even just sort of narrating what you're fantasizing about. There's a lot of ways to sort of within the mood of the play, verbalize and, and check in. Um, so I think you're absolutely right that really, especially with extra people, that stuff just needs to keep happening out loud. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's something that I suppose we, we all need to be cognizant of is especially, you know, overthinking beyond here's an extra set of gentles, you know, it's an actual person that we're bringing in that we need to talk to and, and everything else. Cause yeah, it might be, you know, they, they have their own views on consent as well. And some of us are better talking about it than others. So yeah, we have to navigate all, all that stuff as well. So I, I'm assuming your book goes from beginner 101 to people who are well used to having threesomes, but could still stand to learn a little bit about it. You know, there must be, there's a threesome spectrum out there for people <laughs> that they're on. So do you find that, you know, what, what would be the most common thing that people who are a bit more experienced would say, um about threesomes you know is there something particular that comes up is there are there any patterns that you see or is it just no this is fun yay <laughs> whatever um i i don't think i have ever found anybody who couldn't level up their communication uh, and that is also true for me i'm still constantly learning new ways to to be even better at communication um so i think that that is always true um and you know, for, you know, for the savvy folks, you know, I have a whole section about like, well, here's different, you know, positions you can try. So even couples who have had a lot of threesomes, um, I often find that they're not doing as much about it um, as maybe I think is a good idea, or as it turns out, they might like to. Um, people can get pretty far into their sex lives, even with multiple people, uh, with a lot of assumptions they haven't unpacked. Um, you know, I have, I have worked with couples who've been together for a decade and they are both doing things they think the other person likes and they are wrong because they've never actually asked and both people are too polite to bring it up. Um, and this is everything from, you know, someone constantly making what they think is your favorite meal and, and you don't enjoy it to doing a sex thing they think you like and you don't. Um, and again, because that mind reading piece becomes even uh, more prevalent with threesomes, um, I find people who've had a number of threesomes and it turns out they're not really getting what they want from them. Or a lot of people who have had threesomes without a lot of talking, you know, it's often like a thing they do when they're drunk, um, you know, or something like that, but it hasn't been very closely examined. 
Um, so there can often be, again, I'm always going to say there could always be more talking. Um, yeah, for sure. So Especially if you're drinking or under the influence of a substance when you're all in it, because sometimes that's a way of avoiding feelings and, and, and things like that. So and that's where consent can get a bit messy and stuff for people as well. So, yeah, communication. But yeah, like you said, the mind reading part, it, it's on steroids when you when you bring in more people. But that's mm -hmm. what we assume so much because, you know, we see in porn, we don't see any verbal communication. We just see that people know immediately that, hey, our neighbor walked in they can just join in like that's apparently okay um or people move from different body parts to body parts and we don't see any communication so yeah the the mind reading parts you know what I always say in my workshops is you're not born learning how to have sex it's something that we have to learn but we forget about the communication side of things so, so much so I'm really glad your book exists as a guide because you know it, there's going to be a lot of people trying them and no shame in that like you know it, it, as long as everyone's consenting and everything else and I'm sure when we're all vaccinated there's going to be massive orgies everywhere around the world it's going to be a decadent decade maybe making up for lost time but um yeah I'm very glad your book is is that guide to everyone going in so um where can we find your book if we, if we want to grab a copy of it yeah uh, well you can get it directly from me if you want a signed copy I am selling them on my website stellaharris.net um you can get them a lot of local sex shops are carrying them um local independent bookstores at least around me are carrying them. Um, it is on Amazon. If you have to resort to that, I always think the local shops are the way to go. Um, and if they don't have it at your local, um, you know, sex toy store or bookstore, um, asking them for it also is, is great for me. Certainly if they hear that they want it stocked, um, my, my first book is available at libraries. I don't know if the new one will be or not. It might be a little risque for the library. Um, but that's another thing. Again, you can always ask your library system to carry it. Um, but yes, if, if all else fails, it is available on Amazon. Um, I believe it is available on chain bookstores like um, Barnes and Noble. Um, so it is, it is pretty out there where books are sold, as they say, Happy um, or just come to me if, if you would like. <laughs> yeah, a signed copy. Hello. Who? Yeah, definitely. That, that's the way forward to go. I include a little naughty bookmark if you get it from me. So. Oh, even more of an incentive. Happy days. <laughs> and then where can people find you if they want to reach out or have a chat about things or, you know, you, like you said, you do coaching as well, which sounds really like such a positive thing. I'm so glad coaching is a thing in the world <laughs> and people have a space for it. So yeah, where, where do people find you for that? Yeah, all of that is available on my website, stellaharris.net. Um, there's a link to book coaching. There's, you know, information about the books. There's information about what coaching looks like. There's information about my upcoming classes, which, you know, one little silver, silver lining of COVID times is that all of the classes have moved online. Um, so with a little bit of juggling of time zones, people from all over the place are able to attend classes. So I have a handful of classes coming up. Those are always listed on my website. And also, as you mentioned, Instagram, that is probably my most consistent uh, social media. You can find upcoming classes and, and more info about me at uh, Stella Harris Erotica on Instagram. I am also on Twitter at Stella Erotica, um, and I am in general fairly Googleable. Uh, so if you Google Stella Harris and then any of the sex words, I usually come up. I also have a, a regular column I'm doing now on Substack. If you go to splash.substack.com, I'm posting an article there roughly once a week on a variety of topics. Um, and I have one 
all about different apps for threesomes. That was a recent one by request um, and, and all kinds of other stuff on there. Fab. Fab. I love that when you're like, yeah, Google my name and threesomes or whatever it comes up. Like mine is the same. If you Google my name in porn, I come up like, do you think that that's weird? Like that's not something I thought about growing up that <laughs> that's what my name would be. Is that is that a weird thing that everyone knows you as threesome lady now? <laughs> Well, I mean, Googling people wasn't even a thing when I was growing up because <laughs> yeah. I'm old. So I certainly did not anticipate that. But <laughs> it, it was especially strange for a few years there when I was newer in this field and um, was still doing a bit more sort of dating in the wild um, and realizing that I was never going to go on a first date with someone who had not found a YouTube video of me talking about fisting um, and the ways in which that was sort of changing my life. Uh, so that that took some getting used to. And at this point, I don't know if I'm comfortable with it, but I'm used to it. That's it. Yeah, it's a weird world out there in the world of sex education sometimes. But your look, yeah. there we go. Um, Stella, you're absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope I get to hang out with you again at a conference in person at some point soon. We will get there. But um, in the meantime, I will satisfy myself by reading your books and dreaming about life post-COVID and all those adventures. So thank you so, so much for coming on to talk to me today. Thank you for having me. And yes, I'm looking forward to that conference future too. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll get there soon. Um, thanks a mil to all my listeners as well. Go treat yourself to Stella's new book and prepare for the end of, of COVID and, and the decadent um, 20s that we have ahead of us. Um, if you want to reach out again, it's DM at um, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Glow West Podcast. And like we said, the top tier, if you want to support the podcast, it's um, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. And you can drop us a line there as well and I look forward to chatting to you next time